Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello. So much has changed. Yes, the podcast coming at you in this most strangest of times. No football to talk about but hopefully a voice in the darkness for those self-isolating and a veneer of normality for those who still, out of habit, check their podcast app for us and maybe other FPL pods at the start of the week. I'm joined by Stag and Nick, of course. Uh, Nick, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, I can't believe it's only it's only six days ago we had Ben Credding on the pod talking about the machinations of the double game weeks and the blank game weeks and coming up with all of our plans. And of course, now that it's all, all out the window, basically, and uh, what our plans are, we don't know, but um, we're here to talk to to you listeners. Of course, who we are, we are who got the assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL, at WGTA underscore Nick or Stag at FPL Stag. Um, we're on Instagram as well, WGTA.FPL. And you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud or Spotify, wherever you like to get your pods. So Stag, how are you? Are you all right? And uh, what's, what's on the agenda? Uh, evening lads all good for me anyway so far here in brussels belgium but obviously this is a truly bizarre time to be potting but it is great to be able to uh, chat at the moment anyway uh, but look regardless we're gonna move on with discussing first of all the our reactions to having no football to watch and i guess connected to that what's going to be going on with fpl we look at our lockdown plans just to you know everyone's has them now and we have loads of questions as well from everybody so thanks so much for those yeah, thanks everybody. Uh, amazing to, to still see the community so active. I think across social media, um, despite the fact that obviously there, there was no FPL to talk about. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess normally the first thing we do is start with a game review. But here instead, I think it's worth just prefacing that, of course, we're super worried about what's happening. We hope that everything's okay with you guys, and we hope doing a pod is taking the positive spirit in which it's meant. Um, we just want to basically. I guess keep you guys company. Uh, hopefully, as I said at the top, be a bit of a bit of relief from the isolation some of you may be going through, or some of the of the tough times you guys may be going through. So hopefully, this kind of lights the load a little bit and helps you through what's a hard time. And going forward, we'll uh, see if we can keep going with, with the pods, even though we've got obviously uh, no FPL to talk about. And I suppose that is the first thing to speak about um, on this one because 
as no football this weekend, was there, guys? It was a, a really, really boring weekend. I mean, I asked a few friends who don't like football, including my uh, mother half, what the hell do you do during the weekends? And I got told I do the housework and I do, I do the chores around here. So um, I had to do the chores around here. But, I mean, uh, how have you guys gotten through this this weekend? It's been very surreal, hasn't it? Yeah, it's definitely been been a strange weekend. Um, no football, but also, um, you know, a lot of people perhaps had planned events or, or planned activities and are not going out of the house either. So we're all kind of su- uh, stuck indoors, basically. I mean, I was, um, you know, doing my, my childcare responsibilities over the course of the day, but typically on a weekend, I, I would be looking at my mobile phone or maybe have a couple of matches on, um, just following the football results, just sort of on light relief in, in the background. And, yeah, it felt a very, um, very strange weekend not not having that um, to do. And uh, you know, as, as I imagine, most of um, most of your listeners would have felt the same way as well. I mean, personally, um, I, to kind of, I know a few people have been playing football manager. There's a lot of Twitter um, chat about football manager and other games out there that you can play in the background. I bought Breath of the Wild on the uh, Nintendo Switch actually, and that's uh, going to probably keep me pretty busy over the next uh, few months at least. I'm also working from home as well now, so I started working from home as of Wednesday this week, and I can see the situation being that I'm going to be uh, working from home imagine for at least you know the next uh, eight to ten weeks who knows how long to be honest we, we don't know as, as we talked about we don't know when the football's going to be back so I'm pretty much <laughs> full-time at home with no football uh, you've got to find some form of entertainment be it film music video games you know there, there are plenty of other ways for um, sort of our generation to entertain ourselves luckily so uh, for me, this was actually meant to be a pretty bumper weekend but with no football really involved, um, except for just nervously checking my phone to get a more inevitable FPL disappointment. Uh, I was actually supposed to be in Paris this weekend to watch the Ireland versus France rugby game in the Stade de France. So all of that kind of came apart over the last fortnight or so, unfortunately. But it was uh, at least I was able to uh, get myself prepped for, I guess, uh, working from home and all of the things that need to go with that, like food, etc. So no, it has proved to be a, a lovely weekend here. Weather-wise, I enjoyed walking, a lot of walking, um, just to pass the time. And I've been kind of putting together lists of things that I want to do, be those, um, there are a few courses I want to do online just to improve my French on Duolingo and things like that. I was actually thinking about uh, starting to try yoga. So this seems like a pretty good opportunity to uh, follow a YouTuber or something for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, you name it. We don't know how long it's going to be. And so I've been kind of putting together lists of films and stuff as well that I wanted to watch. I've always felt I was a bit behind on uh, how many films I'd have watched because I probably spent most of my time watching matches. So I did that. And I was, in fairness, also having a look out for any live sport that there was to be watched. So I found myself watching a little bit of snooker. Um, I was planning to watch a bit like the Brazilian league, which was still going at the time and looks like it's now going to be suspended. But uh, I didn't actually watch it in the end. I found enough things to do to keep me going. So for now, surviving without football. Yeah, I saw the, the players of Gremio went out wearing masks, didn't they, uh, this weekend? Yeah. Uh, just, yeah, crazy that was going ahead yet again if you look at the horse racing everybody's there <laughs> it doesn't matter um so yeah it is it's very strangely uneven sort of response to it but i know what you mean like i'm uh, similar to nick i'm working from home as well for the foreseeable my cancer nurse says i'm a bit of a risk so i should probably stay behind but i don't mind working from home uh, but i kind of like the idea i can go out and go to work if i want to so it's going to be a bit strange 
just doing it without any end in sight. Like, I, uh, I'm looking forward to, um, strangely looking forward to going back to the office again already. But I mean, it's just, it's just the start now. Like, I mean, kind of two or three weeks time, who knows where we're going to be. Um, I'm hoping that I'll be able to distract myself, I guess, during the time. And um, similar to Nick, I'm really into gaming, as you, you will probably know. So I think probably with my next paycheck, I'll be buying a Switch and joining Nick on Breath of the Wild or something like that. Having downloaded pretty much every PlayStation game going, tried it out on the side. And oh, either I don't like it or smash my way through it. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's unprecedented, isn't it? Like, I can't think of a time in my adult life when, for whatever reason, football's been suspended. I mean, one one or two games being off due to bad weather, fair, fair whatever. But uh, I just can't think of anything like this ever happening in the UK or the most temperate of countries, right? It's not like bushfires in Australia or something. Yeah, I, I certainly don't remember anything about it like in Ireland in my lifetime. And I think it's, it's not just the football being paused. It's the idea that kind of life itself is on pause. And I guess sitting here in Belgium right now, it's a bit more locked down than it is in the UK. And there are other countries that are even further locked down still, like uh, Spain and Italy, for example. And so it's it's kind of frightening to start to try and uh, think through all that through. But I'm I'm genuinely just trying to stay as optimistic and maybe as constructive as I can with like seeing this through, but also following whatever advice there is being published and trying to stay abreast of developments, I guess, in the whole entire anti-COVID battle that humanity is facing at the moment. But from an FPL point of view, I think this is something that we need to keep tabs on. Like we don't know when football is going to return and like, this is complete idle speculation, of course, as it stands right now. It looks like there's a UEFA meeting to take place on Tuesday, which will determine the fate of the European Championships, which were to take place this summer. There have been plenty of reports about it being moved to the autumn, perhaps even around winter when the AFCON will be on usually, or just straight off to the summer of 2021, which kind of seems like the easiest band-aid solution to just move it just pick it up and just move it to the next June instead and of course all of these are going to have huge ramifications for FPL in terms of like how do they put all these games together do we just end up having loads of double game weeks do they split it all up do we use a free hit in 38 for like a quintuple game week it, it's, it's kind of it's mental to kind of comprehend and think about what could happen in the game yeah, exactly. So, I mean, officially, they're going to re-review it on the 4th of April with um, these two weeks, these two game weeks um, suspended for now. Uh, but, you know, judging by what's going on in the real world, it's very unlikely that the, the football is going to be reconvened in, in two weeks, even if they try and come up with some sort of closed doors scenario. But um, we won't know anything more for a couple of weeks. I, I guess um, we, we kind of have transfers lurking around. I've now got two free transfers. Um, I'm probably going to use one just for the sake of using one just to, just to kind of tidy my team up in the meantime I'm not just gonna let it burn like some managers might be thinking about doing but um yeah it's definitely an odd one with our FPL teams all, all scoring zero points I think you actually did you get minus four this week Tom didn't you because you, you take it yeah I did yeah took a red uh, arrow for you guys to get a green you know That's yeah so I like green it's like the guy I am <laughs> but um yeah it's def- definitely up in the air with, with our FPL teams and um obviously not kind of our main thoughts are concerns are with uh, what's actually going on in the wider world and yeah it's not just FPL and football um, affected it's all sports it's it's humanity in general and uh, yeah it's uh, worrying times it is but we are an FPL podcast so I suppose we've got to speak about the ramifications a little bit more for FPL and please indulge us a sec so uh, as uh, as uh, as been mentioned, game weeks thirty and thirty one still stand in the FPL code frame, as you probably know. Is just that um, obviously you're not going to score any points. So I took a minus four this week. I got a red arrow, whereas everybody didn't take any, um, didn't take a hit or something. 
I probably have got a green, and the same is going to be the case next week. Um, after that, as Stag said, they're going to have to try to find a way to stick all these games in. Um, if there is a solution that means that they play behind closed doors from kind of mid-April onwards, then maybe we'll see um, I don't know, some sort of reallocation of the chips or something. This is idle speculation, by the way. This isn't an ITK thing. Um, I mean, there's a few people in this week who have said, you know, the Brighton chief exec said that he, he found it hard to imagine uh, the, the season continuing uh, in April. And Karen Brady, of course, is famously now infamously, I suppose, come out and said that they should void the season. I wonder why. But according to some journos, in terms of the Thursday meeting, um, it, apparently people are so optimistic that the season can be kicked off again, which would be a surprise. Perhaps might be a, a pleasant surprise, to be honest, because, I mean, sport is all of our release. It's all of our sort of outlet. It's all the thing that we look forward to, I suppose, like we're living for the weekend in some ways. So it might be nice if, if football is back, but equally, you, you obviously want everybody to be safe, as Nick was saying. How FPL deal with it? I just don't know whether it is they reallocate our chips again, whether it is that they kind of change things up. I mean, they were quite open that it was an unprecedented situation on Twitter. And I think that's probably to be borne in mind. And hopefully they'll come up with a solution. Ben Quellen said on Twitter, this was like the easiest solution just to let 30 and 31 be. And then kind of we come back to it in 32. So it might just be that we end up with really good fun sort of end of season, albeit behind closed doors, where the game itself gives us lots of double game weeks and uh, lots of high scoring weeks to distract ourselves, I guess, from what's going on. Best case scenario. Worst case scenario, of course, it is all sort of suspended until next year. And uh, But there's nothing really can, we can do about that. It's all external forces. It's all force majeure. It's all things that we can't really affect. What we can affect is how we're feeling and the way in which we approach this sort of time. So hopefully us being with you a little bit has uh, given you a little bit of companionship or, and hopefully lift your spirit a little bit. Yeah, my, my personal hope for FPL for the, the final few game weeks is when this actually does work itself out. Now, the, the precedent would suggest that they might give us another wild card. That has happened before. Um, it was game week one, oh goodness, maybe about 10 years ago, that the I think it was the systems weren't working particularly well and the, people couldn't make last-minute transfers in the final week. And so they ended up giving everyone a wild card, an extra wild card basically for game week. Two, I think it was and it worked itself out from there I think in this scenario given the length of the break given the ramifications in terms of form ability not training cohesiveness everything that's going to come from this I think the most logical solution would be to probably crown an FPL champion as the season is right now unfortunately given how the chips are that's really difficult and unfair on people who haven't used all their chip and I think that's all of us included but at least what we might have then is like this kind of just run at it let's say mayhem seven game weeks where it's just like the whole game compressed into a small period and just make the best of it I think that seems to be the funnest way and I think the most engaging way for FPL managers I think from an FPL point of view like this could easily be like August all over again when this comes back they'll have to allow us to make changes to our teams like it's going to be a completely different uh, situation by the time we get to it and so I hope that's what they do but the season will be played on as far as I'm concerned of course speculation here etc but just the broadcasting revenues and the survival of the clubs and the importance of continuing the league from the point of view of who gets promoted and who gets relegated like you have to remember the championship playoff is the most like there's no game generates more revenue for a club in world football because of the ramifications in terms of getting TV revenue going up exposure commercial revenue etc that comes with it they can't leave Leeds and West Brom there at the top of the league they cannot keep three teams that are in the Premier League right now that shouldn't be next season and so from that point of view they will have to find a way I think to play the season through eventually 
Yeah, I mean, we're only speculating, but obviously yeah, the whole of Europe's impacted by this. And you've also got the, the Qatar World Cup, which was always going to be in the winter as well. So there are a few machinations that could potentially be played out where you have almost like the, the football season running on until like October, November, and then you end up with a, a different calendar to uh, what we had previously. And, you know, the Euros could be in the winter, for instance, as well. So there's definitely a few things that could be considered. But ultimately, I don't think we're going to see a decision anytime soon because we, we don't know how long this, this epidemic is going to last for. Um, it could be, as we said, it could be over in a couple of months. It could be much longer than that. So So who knows, really? Yeah, so one to keep on the constant review. I liked that Wayne Rooney said earlier on today, actually, that it might be a good idea if, um, for example, they play the season until September, then the off-season is kind of uh, September till October, then November the season starts again, and that kind of gets us into the rhythm for the Qatar World Cup, which Nick just mentions, obviously, is over, uh, over the winter period. It's just so bizarre, isn't it? It's so weird to think that just... As Nick said, this top six days ago, we were thinking about how we're going to navigate game week 31, how we're going to deal with the blanks, how the doubles were going to shoot us up the rankings. And now we're talking about when the football's going to commence again and when we're even going to be able to go back to normal life. But very, very strange to kind of see the never world we've ended up in here. Right. OK. Well, uh, enough of that, I suppose. Uh, let's move on to the questions this week. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? There's a gamut of questions this week. There are so many. Thank you very much for all of those. Um, it's about some are about football, some aren't. And I think what we're going to do is actually just reel through them rather than uh, doing my usual thematizing and collecting them uh, into something more digestible. So I guess let's go from top to bottom and see what what we get. Um, yeah, kind of random, isn't it? This week, uh, the first one is uh, Barry at Kermit, um, who asked. What would be your highest and lowest attribute rating if you, Nick, and Stag were players and football manager? First things first, I'm absolutely terrible at football. So <laughs> my highest um, attribute rating probably would be one of the mental ones as opposed to the physical ones, just because I'm, I'm not an athlete at all. So I suppose if it's a mental one, it, it'd probably be something really lame like um, concentration or work rate or something like that. <laughs> probably work. Uh, put a lot of effort into, into my daily Scott Park composure. What would be your best technical one? I, I lack the pace that I had perhaps when I was about 18. <laughs> Not very really these days either. Maybe uh, long, long throws, Nick? Uh, maybe, maybe long. Yeah, I could do a long throw perhaps. Like a tight marking maybe? Tight, tight marking, yeah. Maybe that one would be quite good. <laughs> tackling. Tack, I was all right at tackling actually. So that was probably one of my better skills. Yeah, yeah. Your, re- your relative chopper Harris. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> I used to be all right at tackling. Generally, I was played as a defender when I played football when I was um, sort of 14, 15. So maybe, maybe tackling. Um, yeah, the worst one would be a physical probably just technique or something's my technique right so uh, I, I don't know um, i think that's enough about me uh should we move on to one of you guys yeah I'll, I'll jump in um i think my best one um would probably come in the like physical i'm like i'm pacey enough so it'd probably be one of those by dent of the fact that like technically i wouldn't be very good and uh, mentally i always think that maybe some people who've played with me would argue my aggression can get a little bit uh too high at times <laughs> but um, yeah i would consider myself an extremely competitive person my worst ones it's definitely going to be one of the technicals um geez i, I did maybe just basic technique is like a bit of an issue <laughs> but like and then maybe um i guess the people who play with me might sometimes say that my vision wasn't good enough in the mental side of things but i would just say that um it's probably more like composure you know i just 
just that tunnel vision that just gets you, you know. Um, but it's all about just looking up and taking a breath. And sometimes I definitely don't do that. I see the Daniel James of the podcast. Uh, yes, that's actually that's actually probably really a bro. I can't. <laughs> Join the Jack, the Steady Eddie Jack Hawk and Nick. Um, I'm not really too sure. I think vision would probably be my, my main strength for uh, uh, probably the epitome of he has the vision but not the ability. Um, <laughs> can spot the pass but he's not able to do it. So sort of pound shot number ten. I don't know. I remember playing a game when I was about um, ten years old, and a, a coach just like shouting at like a coach was shouting at one of the players marking me and he was like watch that fellow with number 10 in his back he has the runs and the whole entire pitch started laughing <laughs> it's obviously to do with running and not um diarrhea no, no, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not doing gary nicker right there and um, i guess uh, i guess natural fitness would be quite low for me uh worryingly in these times but yeah no natural fitness would have been very good i was just never really enjoyed working out or doing any exercise but always quite lazy uh so maybe, maybe that one uh probably be uh, where my biggest issue lay yeah i think that's probably probably makes sense All right next one the best and worst tv series finales and why uh, fpl awesome so from the football manager to the heights and depths of uh, tv so i think for me probably the, the best tv series finale um probably actually is breaking bad I, I just thought that that was really really good the way they closed off that um, tv series in its fifth season just wrapped up all the storylines um well mainly around walt's family and walt um and just the way they managed it i just thought that was a really really good um tv ending i know that there was some plot holes that, well, i guess there was a, a gap with um, jesse's story which was wrapped up recently with a film el camino which i actually thought was pretty good and not everyone liked it but I, I thought that was a really good film as well but yeah i thought breaking bad was a really really good um, season ending and to be honest like my, uh, most shows that i watched had terrible tv series finales actually just like they really they always make a complete hash of, of the tv series finale it's something really hard to do but you know game of thrones pretty bad but um i also thought dexter had a terrible ending so i'd probably pick dexter like the worst tv series finale just that ending was just i won't spoil it but it was just rubbish like if you if you ever watched dexter I, I quite liked it as a show it kind of died a bit of a death at the end but yeah uh, bad bad ending all right, no, uh, interesting choices there. I heard a Game of Friends is pretty bad. I didn't um, didn't actually watch it myself, uh, but yeah, no, I, I heard it was pretty terrible. Um, my best is uh, Deep Space Nine, Star Trek. Uh, I know Nick, you're watching it at the moment, but that's uh, poss- possibly the best ending of a uh, of a show I've ever seen. It's incredibly long. It's about uh, probably about half a season's worth of a story arc towards the very end, but ends in an incredibly satisfying and very very cool way. Um, and what we left behind the ds9 documentary as well is definitely worth watching if you're interested in that um and the worst is how i met your mother uh, i watched that all the time when i was at uni i think it, we were at uni at the prime time for that all that build up and the horrible cop-out ending I think anyone's um, still watching it yeah the, the, the mother died and he wanted robin all along like oh such, such a rubbish like i didn't buy it at all it was so forced the characters have moved on and then when ted told her robin he loved it in the series six it was like the hell that's just so imposed it was so forced like trying to make the ending happen um as you can tell i'm still annoyed about it to this day um but uh, there is a great ending out there which is the alternative one which you can watch on youtube which i prefer to watch if i if i ever do get through how many mother again um it's just uh, yeah it ties it up very very nicely rather than all the rubbish they sort of put into it at the end to kind of force the ending that they kind of wanted i think the characters have just gone way past uh, where they uh, thought it was going to go in the beginning what about you stag 
So I preface this by saying I'm not exactly the most prolific series watcher. And so unfortunately, I'm kind of repeating ones that have already been mentioned, but they were definitely on in mind the minute I saw Chris's question. So the best finish for me definitely was Breaking Bad. And I think part of the reason why was, as Nick alluded to, the fact that they tied together the stories. But another aspect of it for me was the fact that it actually had a very disappointing lull as far as I was concerned. I kind of started to get a little bit tired of the uh, the way the story was developing and maybe it felt at times they were just trying to make episodes for the sake of it. The one where Walt is uh, cleaning that bloody room and he's chasing the fly is perhaps the epitome of that. But they managed to save the whole entire thing as far as I was concerned with what was an absolutely brilliant ending. Um, on the lower, on the other side, it's it's Game of Thrones. Like I watched that. I watched it over the years as it came out. I think I watched it from like as it was coming out from season two or season three. And just the disappointment that like all that time investment and so much promise with so many well-developed characters up until that point, the way they just tore it to shreds effectively just to like ram it together. If they doubled the size of that series, it could have been so much, or that season in particular, it could have been so much better at the end. And what was frustrating as well was the fact that clearly they had the budget and they put together these absolutely beautiful episodes and the battle scenes were absolutely fantastic and the cgi was unbelievable and the music in particular was extremely good and yet the actual point of the series which was the storyline was ruined as far as i was concerned so yeah game of thrones would be there uh, the, the next question we have actually tom is very much for you and uh, general zod wanted to know like tell us about australia what did you get up to um you know and then also zod is asking about how many shops has nick visited in his search for nappies <laughs> um, so um, it feels like a, a long time ago now but um, yeah Australia was great a beautiful country um, I went from the uh, very far north in Cairns uh, all the way down to um, the south of Victoria and travelled by Greyhound was there for two months so saw lots and lots of amazing and wonderful things and places uh, but I hate being that guy who goes oh yeah when I was off travelling this is what I did this is what I did yeah oh. that, that person's always insufferable so I'm not going to talk about it too much uh, but yeah no, it, it was fantastic I can see why people go out there to live and I can also be, see why people leave too uh, to come here just because it's so big and you travel for so long and you're still in Australia yeah. Um, whereas you know, if you go from here somewhere else, then at least you're, uh, you know, in different country. Well, in, in theory, anyway. Nick, uh, how many shops did you visit for nappies today? So, well, Tesco's didn't have any, but Lidl, thankfully, did. And and yeah, it's just outrageous to be honest. The, the amount of people that are panic buying and just just buying so many unnecessary items as well. It meant that like no shops have cowpole, for instance. And this this really affects people that have like young children. And um, one of the people actually, when I posted a picture of the no meat and no bread and no nappies in in Tesco, one of the people that commented said that their um, elderly uh, mother had basically visited seven shops trying to uh, secure groceries or secure the right milk or whatever they needed which I just think is absolutely shocking to be honest like so yeah um, a lot of people out there panic buying and quite selfishly as well which I thought I'd just call out briefly. Yeah it's a reprehensible behaviour I think. Next question then. Um, Late Rise at 12 brings us back to FPL for a short moment. Uh, Best moments of the season so far for all of us. Uh, What do you guys reckon? What comes to mind? Stag? Best moment for me is pretty obvious and I think you'll all know what it was straight away anyone who's listening will know it and it was the day I brought in Sergio Aguero on my wildcard captain him and he got that Patrick plus an assist that was uh, at the time it felt like the the moment the season was going to turn around for me and perhaps <laughs> 
the fact that it redemption yeah turn out yeah and then you know that redemption was extremely short-lived i think there were three or four good game weeks in it and then it all started to kind of go sour again like the rest of the season and i why have i struggled for example um to maybe answer that question in a personal case i just feel like i keep getting the 50 50s wrong like even in the the game week we've just gone it was uh, you heard me live reacting or at least muting my microphone and reacting on camera in front of the guys to harvey barnes uh, smashing it for leicester whilst of course i picked up ioti perez and that kind of actually summed up my season in a nutshell that just no matter what i did you know pick x y goes with goes well and uh, look that that just happens sometimes like that's sometimes the difference yeah i guess for me it was actually it was quite apt uh, that harvey barnes 19 pointer that that was my highest um point score individual point score over the entire course of the season in that last last game that that was um on tv and last game that was played um uh to get yeah to get that return i probably would say that probably was my my best moment of the season Fantastic to to see, um, you know, those, those points uh, hit my FPL team, and uh, something happened that that wasn't kind of stayed and you know boring. So yeah, that was that was a really that was a really really big moment, and uh, one I remember for a long time, especially considering the consequences that have um, occurred since. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, wow. The, the most recent thing, a PCAM rule win for the FET for then, Nick. Uh, for, for me, I think it's uh, probably a bit of a painful memory for other people. It's triple captioning Salah in double game week because I woke up, um, I was in Australia at the time, I woke up and seen that he'd scored and got an assist as well. And uh, that was really, really good. Um, obviously, I did see the week the day before that Mane had gone off very, very early. So I could, you know, you know it could so easily have been the other side of the coin. But that was when I started thinking and speaking to Stag's point. But the 50 50s were finally going my way and things are finally going to start working out wild card of the next week and i and i got my first ever full house at the back so everybody got a clean sheet and i thought yeah, yeah this is definitely my time definite time to go up and um, was a, a 220k or something then the highest i've been all season God, that's depressing uh, it was the highest i've been all season i was thinking yeah you know I, I can really push on from here and then from there mediocrity kicked in again uh, but yeah i think that triple captain for salah going my way was uh, probably the biggest uh, the, the best moment of the season just because the highest triple captain i've ever had i think it was aguero last year um he went off after a golden assist. I think he went off after about 45 minutes uh, the year before that. I think it was Aguero again, actually, against Stoke. And he didn't uh, didn't do anything. And the year before that, uh, Payet um, got two, two late assists for West Ham. Uh, so, yeah, not, not the best. Uh, so, yeah, my highest ever, my highest scoring uh, triple captain ever. All right, next question. Uh, Adam uh, Pritchard, friend of the pod, says, you're forced into isolation with one Premier League footballer and one manager. Who do you choose? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so topical uh, alright uh, Stag what do you reckon okay well for me this is really obvious when I think about the manager that I choose to um, be stuck in isolation with. I think it'd have to be Graham Potter I feel like number one from just a survival point of view I feel like uh, old Potter will have a system in place pretty quickly to maximise like uh, our way of like yielding the best out of supply chains as a, however they go over the next while. I think that El Potter is definitely going to be one for like concocting herbal remedies and stuff as well. And he's probably a good chef. You know, he's a, a man who's into like all sorts of like, you know, he's not just a football man. He's a much more interesting man. He speaks lots of languages. He seems like um, the sort of guy who might have a few interesting life stories that aren't about going two footed into people in the eighties when football was real. So I think that's why Graham Potter would be the obvious choice. As a player, I think I'm going to have to pass to Nick and come back to me on that one. <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, Potter can magic some spell to get you off the island as well. Um, I think I think for me the the manager would have to be um, 
probably have to be Pochettino. Um, just, I'd probably just like to speak to him about his time at Tottenham and what he thinks went wrong, and and just just kind of discuss, um, just discuss. And I think he's actually a really nice guy as well. And like a current manager who's who's got a bit of a dark side, and I I really have a distaste for. I really like um, Poch as manager. I was really sad to see him go, and I'd love to to talk to him a little bit about um, Spurs. Um, in terms of the players, uh, as again, I'm just kind of thinking off my feet. It could be. Player like Son, I think Son's a really nice guy. <laughs> I don't really have an answer. Or maybe someone like Allison with his uh, warm hands. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> For all your baptism needs as well, Nick. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Everyone have everyone have a bath. Who's your man, isn't he? Um, all right. I, I think for me, it would be Daishi, the manager. I think he'd be he keep you up. He keep you upbeat, wouldn't he? And plus, it would be amusing, like hearing him give everything a nickname. He'd, he'd have a nickname for everything, like Betty. <laughs> Cook some foodie. Uh, either that, Woody. <laughs> but I think he'd um, he'd be very good at keeping your spirits up, you know, when you're in uh, in isolation mode. You know, he'd uh, definitely he does seem he's a very learned man as well from uh, reading in- interviews of, of him in the Athletic. I think he'd have a lot to talk about and be a very interesting character. He also goes in and mentors the uh, all of the emerging football coaches as well. So I'm sure I could uh, learn a lot from uh, from Big Daishi. Player, I don't know, maybe Virgil Van Dyke. He'd be very tidy at least, lots of clean sheets. Uh, Anthony, what do you reckon? I'm just thinking, actually, I think I'd love to get like one of the, the, the Irish lads just purely because I think I just relate to them if I'm stuck in isolation with somebody for a while. I think someone who just like, like great on me after a while if it's someone who just doesn't quite get Irish humour. So I don't know, <laughs> one of the young lads maybe who might be half solid at FIFA, I think like Adam Ida or, Adam, or Connolly or something like that would be perfect. That'd be grand. Obafemi. Michael Obafemi. Michael Obafemi would actually be a really interesting one to have as well. Like I don't know, that whole entire Irish under 21s crop or even like Shane Long or something. That'd be fine. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question. FPL Wilf says patrons and char- oh, it's a controversial one. Patrons, patrons and charge for co- content fantasy providers. Is it time to pause charging or continue to make cash during the troubled times? Um, so a bit of a question about Patreon. Um, uh, obviously, we don't do one. Then we're not going to be doing one anytime soon. Um, but uh, I think probably it's probably the right thing to pause at the moment just because there's no FPL. So therefore, what are you charging for? It's up to everybody what you pay for. I'm not going to ever dictate to you what's a good thing or a bad thing to spend your money on. So I've got no problem with people doing Patreons. Um, but in this current climate, I can probably see the point that he's kind of drive at, which is that it's not really worth trying to make money out of people from uh, for, for not really producing anything relevant because um, there's no FPL right now. Um, you're not pay- you're not creating the product that people are paying for. So yeah, I think it's probably a good thing to spend them. Uh, Josh and Brandon have, for example, from always cheating. Uh, what do you guys reckon? Look. For for me, I guess it just seems like no more than what you've said, Tom. It's I can only echo your point that like when there's no FPL, I think people should just you know sack it off for a while and just come back to it when the football returns. Like I don't think there are many people who are let's say relying on their Patreons to put bread on the table, and I think that people should be kind of compassionate in these times and kind of remember what exactly people are paying for as well. For those content providers, it might be a good chance for them to maybe broaden their reach again. I think that there's a necessary kind of amount of you know you kind of close off yourself from new listeners when you go behind a paywall to an extent and i think it's a, it's a good opportunity for those people maybe to you know be known who for who they are or maybe just as an, a free pod or else to just you know sack it off completely for a while and get a break for themselves 
Yeah, makes sense. I would agree with both of you there. Sorry, guys, I've got to go check on the child because he's crying his eyes out. Do you just go, man? We'll just say... Yeah, go for it, Nick. All right, yeah, just say, unfortunately, Nick's had to go deal with some crying child. Crying child, yeah. All right, now you go ahead, man. At this point, unfortunately, dad issues overtook uh, for Nick. So, but Stag and I were just going to uh, go ahead and finish up the pods uh, as it is. Um, what, so, did, did he just does that sound like Ian has, has oh, the issue? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, at, at this point, uh, childcare issues unfortunately uh, took over the pod for Nick. So it's just going to be uh, Stag and I from from now on. Uh, just to continue on, then uh, the next question is from uh, Death Star FPL, um, who asks uh, for a couple of things. Uh, the first thing is. To rank the Star Trek captains from worst to best, I'm guessing I'm best placed to answer that one, Anthony. I have literally <laughs> don't know if I can name one, Tom. That's it's a, that, that bad. I, I've uh, never sat through an episode of Star Trek. Why did I hire you? Uh, but anyway, <laughs> if, if you want the list from worst to best, this is uh, Archer, Kirk, Janeway, and then controversially Picard and Cisco. Um, I'm not going to argue about that. I love DS9 more than I love TNG, but I'm enjoying Picard a lot. Uh, second one, what's the biggest disagreement Tom and Nick and Stag, I guess, have ever had? Um, Stag's biggest disagreement with you, probably just that you've been forgotten <laughs> by previous list of questions. Uh, I don't think we've uh, quite got there yet. Um, Nick and I, what have we disagreed on? Well, we've known each other for so long. I don't really... Um... We don't really disagree that much because I just know what he's like so I can kind of tell when he's just not in the mood to be talking and I can tell whether he doesn't really mean it if he's being a bit acerbic and I'm sure he can tell as well if I'm being a bit catty um, so I think uh, we haven't really disagreed that much I think we've um, had a, a few conversations about monetizing that haven't really, we haven't really uh, we haven't really quite seen eye to eye on but at the end of the day I think that's just uh, part and parcel of working some, with somebody on something like this which isn't really a business as such but it's still sort of a brand I don't know it's, 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 that's the only thing I that really springs to mind but yeah we haven't, we haven't really disagreed for for many many years now and the fun thing is can tom please recreate with accents his favorite interaction with a local in australia i don't really uh... this, this is where uh, tom has prepared a script for me to read <laughs> the other side <laughs> uh, I, I think i, I don't really, I, I don't think uh, i don't think i interact too much with locals in australia for god's sake uh, but no uh, uh, i think apart the locals that really stand out are the ones that were really racist um, to, to the other Chinese people in the group and then looked at me and then just did that thing, you know, when you when you were like a naughty child who's just been caught out doing something naughty. Two separate tour guys did that. They were making a comment that the other Chinese people in the group not being able to understand them and looked at me and then kind of looked simultaneously a little bit and a little bit sort of bashful and sheepish. This was like out in the countryside, so there you go. Um, I guess one of the weird things that uh, one of the one of the cultural differences is that you have to stand up and pay at the till in Australia. So I remember when I first got there, I said I, when we, were, we finished eating, I was like, "Oh hey, can we get the bill, please?" And the the waiter was like, "You're all right, mate." I was like, uh, "Sorry, can I get the bill, please?" And he's like, "You're all right, mate. Just come up front and just come up the front, eh?" And I thought that he was like getting me out to fight him or something. And I was just like, "The food wasn't that bad." And so he, he looked really angry, and I walked up to the till, <laughs> and the waiter was like, "Hey, how's it going? How's your meal?" And I was just like, "Oh." Uh, why? Why didn't you bring me your bill? And I was, and he was just like, "Oh, we don't do it. Do don't things that way in Australia, mate." Uh, so there you go. Um, uh, maybe that answers, aren't they? <laughs> right. Uh, next question then. The FPL guy has written in and asked, "If Tissue was an FPL player, how much would they cost, and would you class them as essential for the run-in?" I, I think Tissue's a pretty uh, deadly 
pick for the the doubles and the the blanks that are coming up in the next few weeks. You know, kind of covers all the bases. Has definitely got potential in terms of you know it's a you know from a defensive point of view helps you keep clean sheets. Very very important. It can assist you for sure as well, and like you know help along the goals front too. So I think it's it kind of reminds me a bit of a, maybe a Branislav Ivanovic type. You know, pretty good pick when he was at Chelsea. Maybe a seven point type defender. So pretty serious stuff. Yeah, I mean, Tish should be very, very useful if, like you, when you were a child, you've got the runs uh, on the football field. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, given the, uh, the the current supermarket status, it's a bit of a differential as well to have tissue. Um, so um, it would uh, certainly have a cost on the black market. I can imagine it would go for Mo Salah sort of style, 12.5 million. Um, and I think it would be very, very essential uh, as the supplies dwindle and scarcity looms. Uh, hopefully not. Uh, hopefully there'll be plentiful tissue for everybody. <laughs> Next question. Uh, we've gone a bit esoteric now but hey never mind FPL start to charge fighter so um, next question is Suj from Planet FPL and he asks uh, FPL start to charge £5 a year to have a team uh, you can have as many teams as you want it eliminates the bots blah 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 um, so at £5 a team how much would you have I, I, I know for me it would still be one I just like I, I find it almost impossible to manage a second team I think I I briefly try to like have like, you know, teams that have a certain kind of like thing going on a bit like, you know, the over thirties that uh, you would have here, but I just, I just can't do it. I might do a zombie league team at a push, but oh God, I, I just don't really like the idea of managing more. And I just kind of feel like it kind of ruins the purity of FPL that for me anyway, it's kind of important that, you know, you have, you make your decision and you stick by it and usually you die by it in my case, as opposed to live by it. And, 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 and that's kind of important. Like, I think if you just have a, a rake of teams, it kind of defeats the purpose for me. Yeah, I agree. Well, it doesn't stop many, many people from doing so anyway. Now it's free. Uh, for me, I think I would have one. Um, I, I might push have two, maybe for a zombie thing or maybe just to kind of as an interest to kind of hedge myself a little bit. Uh, the thing is, is that I currently do that with Sky anyway. And in Sky, I was in the top 1,000 not very long ago as opposed to my FPL not being very good. So I don't know. I think maybe it would just be one. Um, I think I agree with you, Stag, but if you um, make your decisions, I think you want to just kind of stick by them, right? You don't want to be able to kind of undo them or at least kind of sometimes it's better for you not to see how it would have gone <laughs> if that makes sense and um, i guess you can only have one in your one in your mini leagues anyway and it would be a bit rubbish if someone kind of swapped out the team which was tanking down the bottom propping everyone else up and suddenly became a new mini league leader and i think that would quite work so even if they did charge a five i just i don't know i think i'd still just it's the one actually more i think about it Right, uh, next question. How many stores have you visited today to find some hand wash, asked Jarvo. I'm on about six. <laughs> so, actually, fortunately, Jarvo, uh, we ran out of soap in the house about two weeks ago, and um, I just happened to have some time on my hands one uh, Saturday morning. So, while I was in the shop, I actually picked up, because I'm eco-conscious, I picked up one of the refillable soap things for our soap dispenser in the house. So, I've actually been uh, well stocked well stocked up on hand wash but uh that like i've visited an awful lot of stores to pick up other random bits of supplies over the last few days and i think you know he said today maybe over the last three days it is probably over six for me it could easily be eight or nine yeah i i think i've um 
there's like three ones in my local area there's a tesco there's a co-op and there's boots and i've been to probably each of them twice just to pick up random stuff you know and you go to one you're like oh going to they've got this thing that there isn't there and another one oh i've got some wipes here okay i'll pick them up oh there's some soap yeah right, i'll grab that um but finding hand wash if you mean um hand sanitizer is an absolute no-go here it's uh rarer than a double digit return in the fantasy football it's just not going to happen it's the sort of an elderly relatives like my nan sent me a pack through <laughs> through the uh through the post that is, is we were getting to that sort of point in the moment where it's just gold dust but it's actually better to wash your hands should be a last resort when you're out and about but obviously that doesn't stop everyone panic buying like there's a boots near where i work as well which if you if you get that you have to get there at like seven o'clock and they put a tiny amount out every day um, but by every time I've got there, they've been sold out already. So it just goes to show how crazy people are for it. But yeah, incredible that that's become such a commodity in these strange times, isn't it? The early bird catches the hand sanitizer. Yeah. 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 But uh, Tom, would you have said, I'm, you're now obviously uh, washing your hands for 20 seconds, I presume, every single yeah, time. Would you absolutely. Would you have said you were more of a seven second and done kind of guy or a 12 second man previously? What sort of hand washer were you? Uh, I was a 12-second man because I knew that obviously sanitation was important from my time on chemo. Um, but 20, uh, 20 seconds and it is definitely the staple now. In fact, it's incredible like seeing the dudes washing their hands. Like It never used to happen, right? People used to have a pee and then walk out again. And now people are like queuing at my work at least to, it's, to wash it's their hands. It's phenomenal in uh, public spaces especially actually to see men kind of actually stopping to wash their hands like i um i definitely uh, could attest to being more of like an eight second kind of guy before uh before this whole entire outbreak but i'm steadfastly singing happy birthday in my head twice to try and get to that 20 seconds now to keep everyone safe <laughs> yeah it makes, certainly makes sense especially if you're going to your nan or something don't be doing that right next question oh it's actually about football uh planet fpl uh james he who does the podcast uh says good on you for doing a podcast no football till august what do you do with football um, well, that's a very wide-ranging question. Uh, I assume he means what do we do from August onwards, if if that's the case, uh, or at least how we administer it going forward. I guess I would want to complete the season as it is. Um, I don't see any reason why not, and then try to find a way to basically fit everything in. Um, I mean, it has been mentioned by people like Jermaine Jenis, um, but removing some of the cups might be a good way of doing that. And Pep Guardiola has said that maybe the League Cup is a, probably a bit rubbish. And I know people are saying that one of the rejoinders is that I would give you know lower league clubs loads of money. We'll figure out a way in the formula that the Premier League clubs can make up that shortfall and maybe get rid of um, sort of uh, responsibilities like that just to free up some space in the calendar. Um, that might be what I want to do, but I think it's going to be quite harsh um, to uh, not complete this season. I think that if something like this ever happens again, like Touchwood doesn't, but if it ever does, like I think that we, we, we're definitely going to need some sort of precedent set here. And however we kind of thought this current pick allowed is going to definitely impact on the future of, uh, of, of how football is administered in difficult times like these. I haven't got all the answers, but I'm just hoping they uh, come up with a way to make sure this, whatever happened this season, is, is fairly done. But it's not just Liverpool, is it? It's like, as Stag mentioned earlier, it's West Brom, Leeds in the Championship. It's Coventry, League One. They're top by a long way. Don't have a stadium at the moment. They've been kind of pushed from pillar to post by their owners. Like, how do you deal with them? Like, 
Oh, it is, it's very, very tough. It's a very difficult thing to do. I just think that this season needs to be carried out before you move on to another one. To null it and void it and just throw it in the bin and think, okay, well, that doesn't matter. Let's move on to the next year. Seems like a bit of an sim- overly simplistic way of doing it for me. Yeah, and, and even when you think about how, let's say, leveraged an awful lot of the clubs are and contingent and their whole entire business plans are almost contingent on success, you know, whether or not that's a good idea or not. Like you think of Aston Villa, who were particularly financially pressed until they happened to kind of find themselves back up in the in the big time pretty remarkably actually um the story of their promotion last season and it's it's obviously fine now because they're a Premier League team and even if they get relegated parachute payments etc but there's there's an awful lot to it what without trying to sound sanctimonious or preachy what I would hope is that maybe people start to appreciate the impact that football actually has in people's lives I think already an awful lot of us have been shocked by the size of the vacuum um when it came out of absolutely nowhere and when the next the return of football is unknown you know at least when the season ended usually there's a some major championship coming or some underage championship or some thing on um, even the league of ireland let's say would have been a summer championship and would have been on all through the summer if you just wanted to watch a football in ireland for example whereas it's just nothing and i think yep. maybe football government governance people need to start to understand the importance of like getting people through gates maybe the importance of uh, making attendance at matches possible and maybe question whether the monday night kickoffs are a wise thing and the difficulties that go with commuting i know train uh, train tickets are extortionately expensive in the UK and maybe there should be a way to work out how match tickets and train tickets can kind of go together so that fans can travel more easily so that stadiums are packed out and that's extremely important for lower league clubs especially where attendances matter I think we've already seen with the way the Premier League were going to going headlong into trying to play this game week until quite late on or the game week that should have just been played that Gate attendances and the revenue attached to those isn't that important at a Premier League level, but like there are four professional football leagues in England alone, and for an awful lot of those clubs, gate revenues are hugely important. And I think people need to start to understand that the fans are important. Getting fans in the door is important for the fans, but also for the clubs. And this is a really big, cha- good chance for people to kind of hit the reset whilst perspectives are kind of changed. Yeah, there's maybe a silver lining then that some sort of valuation of the impact of fans on football as a spectacle is uh, g- going to take place. Uh, I think it will be, I, mean, I watched the, the Man United game behind closed doors and that was really eerie, very, very odd. Um, I think it was, there was an England game, wasn't there, a little while ago that was behind closed doors as well. And that was like a really weird sort of otherworldly sort of experience. And I just... It's not going to be quite be the same as it um, if if there aren't fans there. And there's in, really interesting sort of questions whether the home advantage is still a thing, and um, if there's no home fans there roaring you on, if if you remove that sort of psychology, um, are players going to start acting a bit nicer if they can be heard? <laughs> but um, yeah, I think hopefully you know there are some silver lines to this, and that's question actually does cover this too. So Rhino says uh, maybe we can we discuss the positives. So would forced isolation lead to an easy transition to a carbon neutral lifestyle? Always a good thing. And are experts important again? Um, I don't think FPL experts are ever important, but um, maybe in this context it might be a good uh, a good thing just to voice over quickly that yeah, it's it's probably we're always looking as human beings for silver linings in things. We're always trying to be optimistic. We're always trying to find find a way to spin things to uh, to have a positive light on them and you know, those are a couple of examples of how things maybe could change for the better after a horrible time uh, maybe people might reevaluate the way they live 
and people may also reevaluate who they listen to. Um, certainly seen a few things on social media recently. For example, this morning, the Cristiano Ronaldo fake news story that was being retweeted. Yeah, obviously, that was a great story, you know, that he was turning lots of his, his hotels into hospitals. Completely fake news. It was just, you know, marker had been done by some, someone pranking. Obviously harmless in that in that regard, but if you think about that example applied onto something a bit more nefarious, a bit more negative, like you know the spread of some sort of fake remedy for coronavirus, and you can see how those things can quickly become completely spun. So maybe experts are important again. Stag, what do you reckon? I, I think. Look, I'm already from a personal even point of view, I'm kind of trying to see the the benefits and maybe how this coronavirus is going to and the isolation that'll go with it is maybe going to show people that working from home is something that is actually eminently more doable. I think, you know, people spend huge amounts of time every week commuting and that's horrendous from a mental health point of view to be doing that day in, day out. I have never had to do it for any extremely long, consistent period and over any great distances. And even still, it's easy for me to appreciate that. But I think sometimes it can be harder for uh, governments and politicians to understand that with maybe the sorts of jobs that they may have done or may have never done uh, before uh, going into office and enacting that sort of uh, the legislation that defines lives and that's you know that's on top of obviously the carbon neutral stuff etc etc people are becoming an awful lot more aware of let's say just the germs that are transferred in train carriages that are in the tube or on airplanes etc and so i do hope that there is that silver lining from the point of view of experts look i, I can only agree with you tom uh, fake news is pervasive it misleads people i've i don't know how many times i've even been caught out about you know stories already of you know who has coronavirus or where it's affecting or the measures that are being brought in. It's people and governments um, at times have become better and better at making the stories just believable enough that they just switch your opinion or they're just so, you know, easily digested that you don't actually even critically analyze them, even if you do have critical thinking faculties and you just get caught out with them because you just don't think to think. And that's quite dangerous. And so yeah. experts are important. Information is important and truth is important. Yeah, this is, this, sorry, this is extremely preachy for an FPL podcast. But <laughs> yeah. you, asked the, you asked the question. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. Let's uh, let's move out of that and in something else. Uh, uh, Rich FPL asks: Is there a stat you guys regard as the mother of all stats? Um, like one metric you will choose as a decider when choosing between player X and player Y. I know Nick really likes his shots in the box and likes his touches in the box. Um, and for those his off-quoted ones. Uh, I think for me, it's XGI. I think that'll be the one that I'd always sort of default to. Um, XGI from open play, that is. Uh, so, so not if uh, not if uh, if there's a penalty or something, I want that to always be removed, or a freak or something, I want that always be removed. That's a bit of a crapshoot. And uh, yeah, the other thing there's uh, FPL Salah in normal times does the uh, does the the uh, the betting odds, um, the just percentages of goals scored, being scored or something like that. Um, those are actually quite useful tiebreakers. I know Josh from More Sheeting also uses those just because, I mean, those guys make a, I don't really like them, but they make loads of money from uh, predicting these sorts of things week to week. So if you're just thinking FPL is a, a case of being lucky, but being in a position to capitalize on luck, um, then looking at those and seeing what the likeliest, most, most probable scenario based on people who make money from this um, is, what they're thinking is probably very useful for your FBL. So that, that's kind of my, uh, yeah, so XGIOP and uh, uh, kind of bookies odds, I guess. What about you, Zach? Yeah, looking at Richard's question, he was kind of, I think he was probably hoping for us to come with one particular stat that was the mother of all stats. Unfortunately, maybe a bit like 
yourself, Tom, I can only give you the, the family of stats that would be important to me. From an attacking point of view, I like XG from open play. Interesting that you go for XGI. I always find the um, the I aspect of it, which is trying to take in X assists, let's say XA into account, I always find that that's a bit of a crapshoot. And so I tend to, from an assist potential point of view, I, I tend to really almost rely on the eye test for that and maybe big chances created to assess that side of things. But XG is particularly important to me. And I actually really do like average positions to and peak maps to get an idea of just where a player is active and what they're doing. Um, I think sometimes you can really digest a game quite well with heat maps and highlights. Um, and also then from a defensive point of view, that's where I actually like Bucky's odds because I feel like they're quite good at figuring out, at least they're very good at figuring out who's going to score, who might win. And those both teams to score um, odds are always quite important as well. And so you can kind of look into those and figure out who they fancy to pull a clean sheet out of the bag. But form is a pretty big thing for me on that as well. And that's why the eye test is so important. No, I get you. I, I do like the average position stuff as well, actually, because as, as like you know, the starting position nominal changes so much during a game, doesn't it? And also, you know, if you look at like Liverpool's front three or something like that, that's actually so fluid. Like where they line up at kickoff can often be so different to where they've actually spent physical time on the field. So, yeah, maybe the average starting position has definitely been one that I've reached for in the past to say to someone, actually, no, he's not a left winger, he's a striker. <laughs> so, yeah, no, oh, uh, definitely behind that one as well. All right, final questions then. One from Benny Blanco. Uh, what four players, um, one goalkeeper, defender, midfielder and striker would be in your all-time FPL dream team and why? I did have a little think about this before. A mixture of new and old. Goalkeeper would be David De Gea a couple of seasons ago under Mourinho. Uh, Dave saves absolutely ridiculous points that year. I think it was just a case of basically he basically was a premium player even though he was a goalkeeper which sounds a bit silly but like he absolutely tore the league apart and just having him in your team was just so huge because one you had Man United fans everywhere obviously delighting in it 172 points 18 clean sheets that year the ownership was really high and the clean sheet was uh, well, half the games are a clean no uh, just under half the games are a clean sheet so you, you had a, a guarantee of pretty much uh, points every every week which is absolutely fantastic I, I think he was just he was just so worth the money that year even though he cost so much for a keeper I think that was one of the first type of things that ever kind of warmed me up to premium goalkeeper when you've got that sort of um, guarantee of a clean sheet week week after week paired with the massive ownership um, the other thing, player I thought of there actually was uh, was Ben Foster slash Boaz Myhill at West Brom um, at the start of any season. They'd just be an awesome pairing because that was one in those days you'd have Foster at four point five and Myhill at four point zero. I remember one year uh, Foster was out, Myhill was in. They played at Old Trafford and he kept a clean sheet and got fifteen points. Something absolutely ridiculous like that. So yeah, absolutely hero. Uh, goalkeeper for you, Stag. Uh, goalkeeper for me actually so like yourself De Gea came to mind for that particular Mourinho season as well and also from that very same season actually Nick Pope as well if you remember that was a oh, season yeah, yeah. I think that he won his position like after 
when he didn't win it, he kind of got it by default when Tom Heaton got injured after it was eight or nine game weeks or something like that. And then it just became like, you know, who who was Pope? It kind of started with and, you know, all the Pope puns kind of began and then like he just became Bonafide, like an English, England goalkeeper. He probably should be ahead of Jordan Victor at this point, but it was all that season that kind of brought him to the forefront of our minds. And, Oh, goodness, sorry, I don't have the actual stat in front of me, but I remember by the end of that season, De Gea and Pope were kind of up there for the whole of Europe in terms of the the number of goals they'd conceded compared to their XGC and like the difference in favour of the fact that they've been making saves was like 14 or 12 goals maybe, you know, with Pope, if you kind of considered how many games he had it over, like he was as good as De Gea that season. They were both fantastic. Uh, maybe moving further up the field to a defender. I think it's just, it's Marcus Alonso. It's just Marcus Alonso. I just, you know, from an FPL perspective, um, Google more about his um, off-field maybe career and you might not want him. <laughs> but um, from an FPL perspective, I remember when he first kind of broke into that Chelsea team under Conte, they'd had a particularly poor start to that season. And then, you know, there was the, the classic, they'll forever talk about it when they, they moved to the three at the back with the kind of run, roaming midfielder or mm-hmm. the roaming w- uh, wing backs. And Alonso, having not actually been in the team, if I remember correctly, just suddenly became this must-own over the course of three game weeks. And it was phenomenal. And the Bolton legend, uh, Alonso, very checkered checkered sort of backstory, didn't he? Bolton, Fiorentina, and round up at Chelsea, and then became an absolute uh, god in FPL terms. Absolutely must-own that year. Um, I was thinking of uh, thinking of this for a little while. I mean, obviously, I spoke about West Brom goalkeepers earlier on. You've got your McCauley and you've got your Jevons, uh, just, Justice for Evans. Uh, Chris Brunt, when he became a defender, was very cool for a little while. That assist robbed from him uh, in, that, in, that, in that famous, infamous McCauley moment. Um, but for defenders, um, a bit of a legacy pick, maybe shows how long I've been playing. But Leighton Baines um, is very, very difficult to to go beyond him or think beyond him as a, as a player. I think he was the uh, the Alonso uh, the Alonso's daddy almost, I guess, in yeah. terms of what he was. And um, just so expensive back in the day, like so so expensive. I think his price did uh, actually exceed um, eight million at one point. But to think, uh, like, this is a defender who was on penalties. Exactly, like it was ridiculous. Like 170 time. points. He got he got over the 170 points mark on three occasions. You know, goals and assists, like an auto an auto purchase, an auto buy, an auto own. Uh, the famous never bench, never captain Baines uh, rule, um, which is uh, a lot of legacy uh, FPL players will remember. Um, but yeah, he was an absolute kind of a stick on a must own in those teams. And back then, when there wasn't the proliferation of uh, of uh, of information that like there is now, they was didn't realise, didn't put their money into that sort of play because he was so expensive and an expensive defender at the back. So I think he is a sort of player, he's like TAA, like in a few years time people were talking about TAA and being like, oh, remember him, wasn't he great? When he invariably moves up to Real Madrid. Uh, but later Mendes is one that always sticks in my mind as the archetype for the premium, amazing defender. Um, midfield then, uh, Yaya Torre, I think could probably be one that would come straight into mind for me. He was what absolutely a, what a time that season. He was incredible. He dominated the league, wasn't he? Like he was top in terms of assists. He was like nearly a twenty goal season, if I remember correctly. He had distance covered tackles. He just did everything. He did. It was so good. He was so good that year. 2013-2014, 20 goals and nine assists in the Premier League for Man City. Didn't me? That's absolutely. He was just so good. Like he was just like you could just catch them every week, and it's the sort of player that you just can't see past because they're just so good that way. Um, I think again, must own in any team, and like the amount of times where I think that, I think that was the year when vice captain had just come in, 
And I remember, I think the amount of times that I had him as my vice captain, he came through for me, uh, was time out of number, actually. I think I got about three or four very lucky vices off him. Uh, yeah, I think it was I think it was that year that vice captains had started to come in. Yeah, what a player he was. Um, and the other one um, is Alexis Sanchez, uh, midfielder. Um, a, your classic out-of-position player. That season, he was number nine for Arsenal. Absolutely incredible. Um, and we spoke about a couple, uh, last week with Ben, the double-gaming experience of having him as your captain because he was just guaranteed to, to do something for you at one point. It was, he was just went for a blistering period where he, had, it was, it was either going to score a goal, at least, at least going to score a goal. It was on penalties as well. Um, you know, the amount of goals, goal and assists sort of combos he got was out as well. So I was, um, I inevitably fell on Alexis straight away as my, the first player that came to mind. And I think why maybe Alexis sticks in my mind the most is because I continue to not pick him when I should have picked him. And <laughs> and so I suffered at his hands a lot, which maybe sears it into my memory that little bit more. <laughs> maybe thinking a, a little bit more kind of away from the obvious premium picks, the year that Josh King scored 16 goals in a season for Bournemouth from midfield as a cheap pick, I had him in my team for his hat-trick against West Ham. And I think, Tom, I actually met you that day for the first time if I remember correctly yeah. and it was um, a real triumph I tipped him on the, in my column I brought him in I classically don't listen to my own advice and usually suffer as a consequence but this time I brought him in I had him <laughs> for the hat trick and it was absolutely bloody brilliant I'd missed him the week before when he got like a, a single goal and this was the start of his run and then suddenly he just took off and that was great um, later reclassed as a as a forward and that was unfortunate uh, and then another one that came to mind is Clint Dempsey when he was Ooh, at yeah. way way back him and Danny Murphy were both like really good solid cheap affordable picks and I, I just loved having both of them on my team I remember Joe Allen as well at Swansea for one year was particularly good under Brendan Rodgers good picks yeah no absolutely I think a lot of people would be screaming meet you at this point wouldn't they as well yeah, um, yeah. yeah. well one, the ultimate one hit wonder there uh, one incredible season I think he started off with a brace didn't he against QPR and didn't look back you know he's a he's a hero to uh, young Haaland who's coming through he is through. yeah, <laughs> yeah like himself, one of my favourite things yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought it was very cute very cute indeed um Right, um, and then finally the forwards. Then um, no real. Uh, no, actually, that's not entirely true. There is a little bit of a conflict. I mean, I did think Drogba first, but um, Van Persie. I think you could just that one season for Arsenal where he scored in every game. Like captain, you've you just captained him all season. I least I did. Just captained him the whole year because at least I knew he was going to get me twelve points every game at least. Um, and uh, yeah, obviously I'm uh, Dutch born, so Van Persie. Uh, was definitely something that uh, appealed to me. Unfortunately, I was a bit a bit too young to see um, Burkamp and uh, and Overmars and Co. in in, in FPL. I don't know if FPL was going back then, but RVP definitely. I remember even when it was even when he went to United, I still had him in my team. I was I was about to question to see if you'd um, held it against him when he went to United, and uh, at least he won the league at United, which was a uh, nice for old Robin. Yeah. Uh, a forward that comes to mind for me has to be mm. Luis Suarez. The, yeah, uh, okay. There's multiple seasons in the Premier League where he just destroyed everybody, in particular Norwich. And it was so much fun owning him. I think like there are plenty of strikers who've scored on the level that he scored in that particular, in, in his two particularly big seasons for Liverpool. But what kind of 
changes everything about Suarez for me is that when Aguero scores, it's always inevitably like it's it's not scrappy. He's had plenty of great curled finishes or whatever. But Suarez's goals are just so varied, so amazing. Remember the header from like twenty yards that he put in, forty yard screamers, like kind of acrobatic kicks. You know the the really scrappy goals too. The little bit of shithousery. You just kind of had to love what he brought to the party. And so like he was like a fun captain pick as well. He had like the flair of a San Maximan at times, but was still just absolutely brilliant. Oh yeah, because I think just against Norwich, you were just guaranteed the hat trick, weren't you? That that was that's what was really cool. We love predictability in FPL. Um, I, I, the the Shit point also makes me think of Diego Costa actually for different reasons. Um, because he wasn't get you a, a yellow card. Do you remember that amazing period when he had four yellow cards? It, it, it was and one of my first like, ever violent, like viral violent. tweets. Tom was like this. There was something along the lines of like, oh, this this Diego Costa four yellow card crap is killing me." And it's like <sighs> at the time, like for FPL, it was like a particularly popular tweet. Like for my <sighs> Count anyway, I and I was like, "Oh, I've really made it on Twitter here." But <laughs> like that, that was a great period him. in time because everyone was like, I, "I had him," and he kept scoring me goals, and everyone was just like, "I'm not buying him." It was on Fantasy Football Scout at the time, but all the FSs were like, "Oh no, I'm not buying him. No, he's got four yellows. Like he's just a, he's just a an indisciplined rump. Like there's no way there's no way in hell he's ever gonna you know, not get yellow card." And that kept going until I think like 12 games later, or something absolutely ridiculous, didn't there? It's like 80 points or something people missed out on. So. Yeah. And his form completely dropped off. By the way, I think he ended up making it to like the the, the period where you get clemency for your previous uh, indiscretions, let's say. Yeah. And uh, and then people brought him in again for like some good fixtures, and inevitably it just didn't go right with him, which is just classic Diego Costa. I think that's basically it for this week. Uh, quite a lot of questions there. Hopefully, some insight into um, how bored out of our minds we are that we start speaking about that instead of uh, instead of FPL. I really wish we were able to be aware of FPL, but unfortunately, at this point, we're not. Uh, no themes to the pod this week. Uh, the pod with Ben was obviously the killers, um, but that seems like it was a world away right now. Um, we are who got this. Is. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. Um, you can find Nick at WGTA underscore Nick. You can find Stag at FPL Stag. We're also on Instagram too um, as W. GTA.fpl. At the moment, I'm just posting pictures to myself looking sad, but when the season does kick off again, um, you'll be able to see lots of uh, football-related content from there. Uh-huh. Yeah, and look, everybody, over the, the next few weeks, I think we're probably going to continue recording a few pods, maybe. Yeah, I don't see why not. I hope you guys enjoyed this one and please let us know if there's any more questions you'd like us to answer because uh, sure enough I don't think we're going to have any football content to replace them with anytime soon and just keep safe keep adhering to advice and just be well yeah I absolutely second that well I hope this assists you in some ways feel a little bit better about your time in isolation if you are um, but yeah um, no matter what we'll be back very very soon take care all the best oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist Podcast Network.